The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Rory Blythe. This is Jeff Maciolik here to announce show number 76 with guests Sean Walker and Jim Duffy, recorded live Friday, August 13th. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VDNet and ASP.NET classes remotely. Online at www.franklins.net and by Data Dynamics, makers of ActorReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com and by Dundas Chart. Advanced technology, advanced results. Online at www.dunduschart.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine. Microsoft Technologies in-depth for IT managers and developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who installed the Whidbey beta on his production machine, bringing new meaning to the term .NET new, Carl Franklin. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Jeff Maciolik, our announcer and all-around audio nerd here at .NET Rocks. I'm Carl, and welcome to another stellar episode of the show. Uh, you'll be with, we'll be with you for two hours, bringing you geek talk and .NET talk and lots of silly shit. And uh, before we get started with all that, I'd like to introduce my co-host out there in Portland, Maine, Mr. Microsoft, uh, the, the, the biggest flaming heterosexual I personally know, Rory Blythe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually get that a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Portland, Maine. Jeff just pointed out Portland, Did I say Maine. Portland, Maine, Portland Maine again? Oh, geez. Yeah. Portland, Oregon. You know, it's, it's just the geographic locality thing. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm so used you know to it. So uh, this is this is my first week uh, on the show as an official Microsoft employee. I signed uh, a bunch of thingy duties earlier this week. At least I think I did. It's been such a blur of a week. Um, wow! I spent Monday in new employee orientation, and I what am is that now like? officially a Microsoft employee. New employee orientation? Yeah. What's that like? Well, you show up, and uh, some really really nice people give you a little visitor badge, and they take you around and then expect that they spend the next four or five hours trying to give you free Coca-Cola and <laughs> they explain um, the, the health insurance to you and stuff like that. And then uh, they say things like, now remember, um, in order for us to give you money, you're supposed to do work for this company. And that's pretty much new employee <laughs> orientation. Um, it's, it's kind of about what you'd expect, so except there's a lot more sense. free Coca-Cola than there is at other jobs. I, I think it's sort of like just uh, the... 
it, it, it it's just like the official welcome to Microsoft. Yeah. You know, it's a way of creating a line that you step over so that you're you're aware of the fact that um you are now part of you know Microsoft the and of course they change your blood out for Kool-Aid and do all that kind of stuff, but for the <laughs> most part it's just orientation type activities. Cool. And then uh so then you I were partying Russ with Fastino Yeah, you were partying with Russ this week. Yeah. He's a he's a yeah, party animal. Um Partying is is a good word. He has a lot of stamina. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, and I met up with him in Fort Lauderdale on Monday. And uh, I don't actually really remember Monday because I was so tired. I only slept like three hours a night all week long. But then on Wednesday, we drove down to Miami and he took me to South Beach. And I, I got to tell you, like there are things... I, I had no idea about South Beach. And I learned the hard way that it's a, it's a topless beach. I had no oh, idea. Wow. There was a... There was absolutely no indication whatsoever. But you get out there and all of a sudden you look around and you think something's a little different around here. And mm. uh, that was a major shocker. It's one of those things you should know about, you know, or be really, really prepared for. Or else if you're like me and you're an emotionally immature um, <laughs> human being, it, it becomes like a festival of giggles and, and things <laughs> like that. And then we just, we hung out, we went swimming, uh, we had a good time, but we also did a lot of work, you know, Tuesday we, we did, I, I got to go through with him during a presentation and... You know, we put in a good 12, 13 hours or so Cool. Um, before heading back to the hotel room. If if not even more than that, it was it was a long day and Thursday as well. But it was a lot of fun. And were you, it, it was really good were stuff. Were you speaking so to people? Were you in front of an audience? Yeah, there there were people there um, constituting an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't actually doing any of the speaking myself, although he rigged me up with a wireless mic so that I could add my occasional bit of commentary. And <laughs> I ran into a couple of people who read the blog or people who listened to Donna Rocks and just wanted to say hi. Great. Um, so that, that was always a cool thing. Same thing down at Microsoft. Uh, I ran into some people who listened to Donna Rocks who just wanted to say hi. Yesterday, I had to fly out really early because of Hurricane Charlie. I got a last-minute ticket out and... Uh, Got onto my airplane, and I swear, from the northern tip of Florida all the way to Las Vegas, it was thunder and lightning. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the cabin was lighting up, but I was on so many sedatives, and I was so <laughs> sleep-deprived, and I was so out of it that all I could think was, man, that's really beautiful, man. <laughs> it's really beautiful. You see a cow go past so. you on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, reality Twisters. reality was about as close to me as the ground. It was a good forty thousand feet away, but wow. um, it was it was gorgeous. I had never seen lightning like that before, and looking at it for about six hours straight, um, it was it was beautiful. So Charlie's home, supposed to be like in the morning, one hundred and forty five mile an hour winds, and uh, th- yeah, they I'm say glad it hasn't, I got out of there. Yeah, yeah they say uh, a storm this powerful hasn't hit Florida in ten years. Wow! And as we record well, this, yeah, I'm ladies I'm and gentlemen, the, the it's still making its way across Florida. So yeah. I actually got to, my it. Haitian cab driver to the airport was utterly convinced that all this stuff about Charlie was nothing but a conspiracy between the weatherman and Home Depot. Really? Um, although now I suppose <laughs> maybe maybe he's changed his tune a little bit. He was a really nice guy, but he was pretty hard set in his ways. Um, he was telling me, you just wait. Tomorrow, nothing will happen. You know, well, it looks like maybe things to get a little rough. Yeah. yeah, never mind and the me, Doppler three, radar three images straight, yeah. that have the funnel clouds advancing <laughs> towards the coast of Florida. Well, the, he was implying that those have been photoshopped <laughs> by a clever weather person. <laughs> Sponsored by Home Depot. So. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, and I'm rambling now because I haven't had any sleep. And uh, I, have a, I have a Valium hangover from, you know... I was not going to get on an airplane with lightning everywhere um, totally sober. That just wasn't going to happen. So my doctor gave me some, you know, tranquilizers for the flight and everything. But wow. 
Yeah, so I'm back, and here I am. So uh, what's going it's on with you? It's an interesting life you live, my friend, and uh, more power to you. I guess so, you. yeah. It's scary. More power to you. Well, uh, with me, it's been, I've been teaching for the last two weeks. Um, the last, last week when we did Miguel's show, I was in Jacksonville at that time. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember if I said it on the show or not, but there was like an international incident right across the river in Jacksonville while I was there that involved the sheriff's department, which was the, the company that I was teaching. Some guy was like, uh, you know, held a gun and a bomb to this guy's head and demanded that a judge that, handed down a verdict he didn't agree with, who he says ruined his life, uh, go on TV and resign. And she did. And they called in a SWAT team. And it was like deployed from the building where I was teaching, you know. I was teaching developers. So it was just a wild week. Then I came back and I had the weekend here uh, with the fam. And that was good. Uh, what was what little there was of it. And then I went back down to Roanoke, Virginia to CarMax. And uh, this company has a, a site... Uh, uh, it's more than a site. It's a whole business that they do on the web, CarMax.com. They sell used cars, but it's they're not like an eBay. Uh, they're more like a, a dealership. They have like 50 or 60 car dealerships hmm. all over the United States. Most of them are in the South and in the West and you know in California and in the Midwest. They don't have too much in the Northeast. But you basically, they're all really taking advantage of smart technology. Every car in every lot is barcoded. Every space in the lot is barcoded. They have readers that scan the cars mm. when they come in and out of the lot. So as soon as somebody drives it onto the lot and goes in, like every hour, a guy walks around with a little PDA and goes, beep, 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 and takes inventory and it immediately shows Wait, up. Wait, does all he the... go, beep, 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 or does yeah, the PDA he does. go, beep, No, he beep, actually beep. says that you know, into the microphone and that translates <laughs> into the barcode sequence, which m- matches the car in that spot. And you on the web huh. get to see that car and print out everything about it before you go down to the lot. And, and what's cool about huh. it, is that the salesman all, I'm giving, it's like an ad for CarMax, but they're really cool guys. Um, <laughs> they, uh, You're going to be sending him a bill? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they, they basically, uh, you, they don't have, all their salesmen get no, you know, the same commission no matter what car they sell. So they're not pressured to, mm. their only pressure is to find you a car that you want. So you go in there, there's like no salesman bothering you and haggling. You just say, here, I want this car. And uh, it's very cool. So I want to give a shout out to the uh, to the guys in the CarMax class. It was uh, Robert McLemore, uh, Jim Rosendale, who put the whole thing together, Warren Moore, Richard Caudell, Dale Christopher, Mike Dugan, Grady Nash, Marvin Fredrickson, Noah Mandelbaum, Daniel Steenberg, Curtis Harrington, Rod Williams, Steve Melchert, and Brenda Walker. Thank you all guys for showing me a good time and, and uh, having such a great class. And it really was a great class. I mean, we... It was a three-day class, so we took out like all the hands-on exercises and just concentrated on content, content, content. So I had a lot of fun and uh, solved quite a few problems for them at the same time. Cool. Well, anyway, uh, before I read the mail, I just want to give a uh, uh, an announcement here about uh, Joe Stagner in the Northeast. He's uh, doing these free MSDN events that are free for developers from Burlington, Vermont to Albany, New York. Uh and in between, he's going to Manchester, New Hampshire, Providence, Rhode Island, Boston, Worcester, Massachusetts, Hartford, Connecticut, all in August and September. And uh, the, the, the talks he's doing are on building ASP.NET custom controls and an ASP.NET overview. He's also doing uh, developing Microsoft Office InfoPath 2003 solutions with Visual Studio.NET 2003. 
these events are free and they're going on all this month and next month and and uh, we'll have more of them in the future. But if you want to check them out and register, go up to www.msdnevents.com. They're a lot of fun, folks. And this is the kind of stuff that Rory's doing now too. So you really get to uh, to hang out with true nerds of your caliber and uh, get some yeah, pizza and, and that, stuff. That's actually what I got to, that's what I was watching this week. And it's good stuff. And uh, you mentioned the InfoPath one. And one really cool thing about that is that a lot of people don't really understand InfoPath. A lot of people don't know what it does. And that particular session will show you how to actually do stuff with InfoPath. Hmm. Um, I, I myself thought it was pretty damn cool. So I just wanted to throw that little, there that you little go. word out there for anybody who's curious. Endorsed by Rory Blythe. Yeah. <laughs> and these things happen at movie theaters. It's 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 it's, it's a really? lot of fun. I'll shut up about it, but it happens at movie theaters. You get a voucher for popcorn and soda, and to, if if there happens to be a dinette pub club going on, then uh, Microsoft will also buy you some like chicken wings or whatever after. And the that's show. where you go so, out to a bar and have a beer and and chat. And Microsoft. Yeah, you got to buy the beer though, because it turns out oh. there's some legal problems, you know, with getting developers uh, drunk and sending them home. Oh, that's but true. Soft drinks and food and everything like that is free, and the and the company's good. And uh, yeah, the whole thing is really, really cool. And that is what I'm going to be doing. And I'm so excited to start. That's why I can't shut up. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay. We got some really good emails, some great feedback on on shows here. Uh, this one came from Mark, who says, uh, just listen to the interview with Clemens Vasters. I can't say that I fully understood what he was talking about with SOA, but I thought your discussion of the implications of it at the end was pretty interesting. Carl, I thought your point about the lack of discipline in the industry was right on. You said that from your experience, project managers are very focused on the bottom line and do not have the mentality of a manufacturing operation, as Clemens described. He seemed to say that in order for SOA to be realized, the industry is going to have to have military discipline and it's going to have to grow up, quote-unquote. If that's really the case, then I think he's looking through rose-colored glasses and ain't happening anytime soon. Probably what's more realistic is that we will have services, not as disciplined as he'd like, and we'll all get along, making some mistakes along the way, causing some headaches, but otherwise people will put up with it for a while. And what may happen is that we end up with hybrid enterprise systems where there are significant parts that are still implemented as legacy systems and then some other parts that are implemented as services, and we'll just kind of stumble along with it until we get it right maybe 20 or 30 years from now. Hmm. Gee, that sounds like what we have today, really. <laughs> and we've been saying 20 years ago that we should know anyway. He goes on to say, the reason I say this, to use the analogy to OOP, is I've been involved in projects in the past, and I've heard from others who have seen the same, where the developers who got the project started used an object-oriented framework to make development easier, but wrote all of their application code as though it were written in a straight procedural language. Hmm. In other words, no business objects at all. And that was three to four years ago. So while the frameworks are there and well-designed, the application developers still have a lot to learn. Just about, oop, never mind, SOA. Mark, thanks for your comments, and we're going to send you a .NET Rocks mug with our mugs on it. So uh, we'll be contacting you soon for your snail mail address. Uh, next one comes from Tyson Maxwell, who says, Carl and Rory, the August 5 show with Miguel Diacaza was the first show I listened to live. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Although I caught many of the other recorded shows, it is a very cool experience to be able to interact with everyone during the broadcast. Keep up the great work, Tyson S. Maxwell. Tyson, 
Thank you very much. And again, we're going to send you some swag. So look in your mailbox for it. And, you know, we don't really talk about the live show much on the show. But uh, just to remind people that this is recorded live and everything that you're hearing here, uh, minus a few burps and swears and things <laughs> things that we edit out, uh, is done live. And you can listen to it with Windows Media Player. And we have a whole page on, the, on our main .NET Rocks page that you can go to and listen. And there's also a chat, an IRC chat that we uh, expose that, uh, that we use anyway where a bunch of people are in there making comments and asking questions. Uh, and in the case of Kimberly Tripp's show, we she was actually reading the questions and talking at the same time. It was wonderful. She's like a serious multitasker. Well, anyway. This... Yow! Somebody step on the dog? No, I think somebody else was walking through the apartment building. He's kind of territorial. Ah. <laughs> You know, we could leave those in as long as we just brand it. You know, Castro the .NET Rocks dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is from uh, Corey Messing. K-O-R-Y-M-A-S-I-N-G. Corey Messing. He says, Carl, Rory, and the rest of the gang, this might get a little long, so please hang with me. I just want to let the .NET Rocks team know that this show may have single-handedly turned my career around. Hmm. I took a job with a software consulting company about three and a half years ago. I ended up at a client for almost two and a half years doing maintenance on an ASP VB6 application. The boredom started to sink in as most of my work consisted of troubleshooting bugs. Finally, I had some downtime between clients and started to teach myself C Sharp. But before I could gain a strong, in-depth knowledge of C Sharp, I was shipped out to work on a C Sharp project. (laughs) sound familiar Hmm. it was great for the first couple of months but again i eventually ended up working on bug fixes and maintenance i became content coming to work at 8 a.m and leaving at 4 p.m developing software was becoming more of a job than a passion and i was being sucked into the more tricks (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good the more tricks (laughs) One day after reading an article about blogging, I decided to search for some .NET blogs in hopes that I could find one that would once again get me excited about programming. My first search result was from Google, and it took me to Franklin's Net. The item on the Franklin's Net site that caught my eye was a link to an internet audio talk show for .NET developers. This may be too good to be true, I thought to myself. I downloaded the Kevin McNish show, and I listened to it while I worked on bug fixes. <laughs> Let me tell you guys, that show is my red pill, and I haven't looked back since. Since that day, I have downloaded and burned every single episode. I started from the beginning. This is really cool, huh? I started from the beginning and worked my way through each show. I'm now listening to the entire set again. I listen in the car, at the gym, and at the office. I have strongly recommended that every developer in my branch download these shows and listen to them. As well as getting the most knowledgeable guests, you guys make the show extremely entertaining. Between the music, Google weirdos, and all the smart-ass comments, the show is just so damn fun to listen to. I mean, seriously, who does a radio show about software development from a bar? You guys do, and that rocks. .NET Rocks has opened up doors that I never thought existed. There are so many avenues that I would now love to explore. SOA, test-driven development, 
code generation, the list goes on and on. And I've been exposed to some of the most brilliant people in the industry. I, honest to God, I didn't pay this guy. This just came into my mailbox Yet. today. Yeah. I was lucky enough to see Scott Guthrie at a recent Arizona.net users group conference, and I really enjoyed a webcast that Chris Sells was gracious enough to donate his time to. I could write another 10 pages describing what this show has done for me, but I know that you guys are busy, so I'll just end this with a big fat thank you. Yeah, shut up. Keep on rocking, Corey Massing, <laughs> Chandler, Arizona. Uh, P.S. Yeah, that's if, so cool. Wow. Yeah. P.S. Uh, if I ever get out to New London or Portland, I owe you guys a drink or 10. And uh, I think we ought to send him a sweatshirt, don't you think? Yeah, Corey, we're, we're actually never too busy to listen to people go on and definitely. on and on and on about how much they enjoy the show. So. Sucking up is definitely recommended. <laughs> so that that is the, that that is the mail and now it's time for the news now obey so rory got some news for us this week i've got some news for us this week Cool. The first item in the news is that this Munich um, Linux install that we've been talking about for the past few weeks where they were going to convert 10,000 Windows machines to Linux machines, which was initially a go-ahead and then hit a snag and then seemed to hit another snag, has now freed itself from the snags and is going to go ahead and we can still continue to watch it. And whether this thing succeeds or fails, it's really going to be interesting to keep our eyes on it. Um, there's an article about this over... Uh, over on, uh, well, I got the Shrinkster URL here, shrinkster.com slash AJ. And, uh, I mean, even if it goes forward, I'd be really interested to hear about the kind of technical hurdles they're going to face in migrating 10,000 Windows machines to really? Linux boxes. Yeah, we said we would so, cover this, and we're, we're definitely going to keep yeah. you. And so, yeah. do we know what the status of the, the project is, or are they just now about to go forward with it? Well, what they've decided is that it would take about two or three weeks to figure out um, if there were going to be any patent issues that would stop them from going forward huh. with uh, with the migration. Um, aside from that, I think the plan is simply just to keep going. Wow. So cool. it'll be interesting to hear about. Yep. And then the next bit of news, uh, in light of last week's show with Miguel de Acaza, um, we talked a bit about Coco Sharp, which is the Coco binding for Mono. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who doesn't remember, Coco is sort of like the equivalent uh, to Win32 on OS X. Or also the .NET framework. It's like a mix of everything, right? It has a lot of functionality built in. And But mm -hmm. when you're talking Coco, a lot of the time you might think of it in terms of its GUI functionality. Yeah. And the Coco Sharp framework is is coming along, which is cool because it's going to get easier and easier to write Coco apps using Mono. And mm. the URL for this story is shrinkster.com slash AK. And then next, there's some rumors going around. And now that I work for the company, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to even propagate these rumors regardless of my personal opinion but I, I think it's probably all right there's some talk about maybe internet explorer 7 beating longhorn um to the wow. masses so url for that is shrinkster.com slash al and i'd personally love to see uh, a version 7 of internet explorer but nobody's the, the company isn't really commenting right now either way on what's going to happen but it has been acknowledged that people really would like to see another version hmm. of ie before longhorn so who knows what will happen there Okay. Uh, I have my hopes, and I think it'd be really cool to see something. And then yeah. finally, the last bit of news is that the tablet PC SDK version 1.7 was released on the 9th of this month. Yeah. So you're probably going to want to go pick that up. Yeah. URL for that, shrinkster.com 
slash am. And that is the news for the week. Awesome, man. Now obey. Speaking of tablet PCs, Rory, we're in the midst of our .NET Rocks tablet PC giveaway contest, as you probably yep. know. Uh, we didn't talk too much about it. Uh, uh, we haven't been talking that much about it on the shows, but we have now passed the 3,000 entry mark today. We have okay. currently 3,010 entries. Uh, the deal is this. We're, um, Microsoft and, and Franklin's Net is looking to get a li- just a little bit of demographic information about the people who listen to .NET Rocks and uh, who are interested in .NET development. Uh, so it's a very, very simple survey. I think there's two questions out on the site at www.franklinsnet slash .net rocks. And uh, you basically put your name in a hat to win like this $3,000 plus decked out uh, Toshiba M200. Ridiculously nice Absolutely. tablet. Tablet yeah. PC. It's got a 60 gig hard drive. Uh, it's got a gig of RAM. It's got uh, a fourteen. What is it? Fourteen hundred by ten fifty display. That's convertible. It's got Wi-Fi built in. Uh, it's just very, very sweet. I have one myself, and I just can't put it down. It's awesome. In fact, I was reading a book with Microsoft Reader on the plane today, and I can't mm-hmm. tell you how how nice it is just to be reading like that. And there's a little joystick on the side, just go pink to turn the page. It's so cool. And to be able to like annotate, I mean, you can provide your own little notes about things or you can highlight stuff. You can throw your own bookmarks in there without destroying the book, right. which I always thought was really cool. Yeah, very cool. Very. And cool then if you game. have Encarta, you can look things up in the dictionary or you can look things up in the encyclopedia if you happen to find a reference to something you don't know anything about. That's one of my favorite things to do is switch back and forth between Encarta and Reader. But yeah, it's, it's an awesome, awesome very cool. you know, way to spend your time. So uh, let's just go ahead and introduce the guests. Our guests tonight are Sean Walker and Jim Duffy. Sean Walker is founder and president of Perpetual Motion Interactive Systems Incorporated, a solutions company specializing in Microsoft Enterprise Technologies. Sean has 15 years professional experience in architecting and implementing large-scale IT solutions for private and public organizations. He's responsible for the creation and management of .NET Nuke, an open-source content management system written for the Microsoft ASP.NET platform. Based on his significant community contributions, he was recently recognized as a Microsoft MVP, Most Valuable Professional, in 2004. He's a skilled writer and has been published in Access, VB SQL Advisor magazine. Sean resides in British Columbia, Canada, with his wife and two children. Jim Duffy is the founder and president of uh, TakeNote Technologies, www.takenote.com, This is a two-time award winner for developer-level training. In an event that baffled even the most seasoned academics too many years ago, Jim earned earned a BS degree in computer and information systems and uh, has been coding and training other coders for the last 20 years. Attendees of the Take Note training are quick to point out that his training classes are a lot of fun because he's an exceptional trainer and a very knowledgeable developer. In addition to, and he wrote this bio, by the way, in addition, to, in addition to coding and training, Jim keeps busy writing as well. You'll find his articles in a number of leading publications, including Code Magazine. Jim's passion for teaching and presenting, combined with his humorous and quick-witted, quick-witted approach. Jim, where did you get these adjectives? Quick-witted? 
I'm all over it. Yeah, have made him a popular speaker at international developer conferences, regional conferences, and local user groups. Microsoft recognizes contributions and expertise by naming him as an MVP. He is also, and this is perhaps most interesting at the moment, Jim is also co-host of the popular Computers 2K4 radio show on WRBZ 850, The Buzz, on Sunday mornings in Raleigh, North uh, Carolina. Hi, guys. Yeah, how you doing? Hi. Greetings from what potentially could be Hurricane Central here uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and you're in North Carolina? Yep. Yeah, Hurricane Central indeed. Yeah, once, uh, once Charlie crosses over Florida and makes it back out to the Atlantic, uh, he could be heading my way. <laughs> good thing we didn't record it on Saturday night. <laughs> Very good idea. So how are you, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate the invitation to the show. Oh, our pleasure. Rory, have you seen .NET Nuke? I've seen .NET Nuke. I've never used it, and I'm familiar with uh, PHP Nuke. Is that the, that, that's the uh, original project it's sort of based on, right, at least in spirit? Yeah, true, true. Okay, yeah, so I, I've seen PHP Nuke, um, and uh, I've seen bits of .NET Nuke, but I've never worked with it, you know, like hands-on kind of stuff. So, so. tell us... Uh, but I've been curious about it, so this would be cool. Yeah, tell us, t- give us the elevator speech on .NET Nuke, and then uh, give us a little history of where, where it all happened, where it came from. So the, uh, the project's been around since uh, December 24th, 2002, uh, basically Christmas Eve, 2002. Um, myself, like a lot of Wait a minute, developers. wait a minute. So Christmas Eve, you're writing code? <laughs> Christmas Eve, I'm releasing code. Oh, releasing. <laughs> as, a, as a gift to the world. As a gift to the oh, community. I, I thought that's when you started developing it. <laughs> No, there's say. a lot of symbolism there. Will you stop but... that and wrap presents? <laughs> <laughs> I hear hooves on the roof. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, like a lot of .NET or a lot of uh, Microsoft developers, I was uh, interested in getting up to speed with the new .NET technology, uh-huh. and I found this great uh, sample application um, in 2002 called the uh, iBuySpy Portal. Right. And a number, many .NET or Future .NET developers started with that application, um, you know, getting their uh, feet wet in .NET. Um, yeah, that was originally I had certain things part. in mind when I saw the application. I had some experience in the past with PHP Nuke, so I saw the similarities in terms of content management, at least at a very simplistic level. And I was involved with writing applications for amateur sports organizations. And what the requirements were in terms of what the clients were asking was for a website which was easy for them to manage the content where they could still maintain their own identity, so have their own URL and uh, have their own uh, presentation sort of look and feel as well. Um, So I I made a lot of changes to the original code base for the iBuySpy portal. But after about, you know, 10 months of that, um, I realized, you know, I didn't have the uh, funding to to release it as a real product, and I thought it, I had become quite involved with the forums on ASP.net, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be a great thing to contribute to the community. Now, do you do you know Mike Amundsen, and he's the guy who did uh, uh, I Buy Spy? Yeah, I met Mike. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He is a great guy. Very smart guy. Yep. In, in, so. Yeah, and uh, so December 24th, I decided in my infinite wisdom to release it as an open source version. And what I did is I just made a post in the iBuySpy portal forum on the ASP.NET site saying that there was a 
version, full version, available for download. And uh, from there, um, the downloads started to pile up. I actually went on holidays for a couple weeks in January, and when I returned, I was amazed to find that there was, you know, two or 3,000 downloads. So just originating from that original post in the forum. So we've, we've, hmm. you've talked a little bit about how it started. Let's just give the uh, elevator speech about what it is uh, for those who still don't know. Um, it's a content management system and, or portal system, which has a variety of meanings, but essentially it's a framework where you can manage content for your website and allow people to come to your website and view the content under a different security context. So you can have public information and private information. Basically, changing the paradigm from a, from a static HTML website to a, a web application. Right. How close is this to any of the, uh, the community, uh, what do you call those things that they have at ASP.net? Like the, the, what am I trying to say? You know, the things that you, the, the toolkits, kit. the starter kits, yeah. Yeah. Well, the original iBuySpy portal starter kit is now called the, I think it's called the portal starter kit. Right. Um, not a lot of work was done to enhance that product from okay. its original release. Okay. And .NET Nuke ha- has added a ton of functionality to that uh, to that original product, so they really bear no resemblance to one oh, another okay. anymore. There's and- also the community um, star- starter kit, right? Which has similar features, right? And then there's also the forums starter kit and an e-commerce starter kit. And those are really designed to perform a specific application function, whereas .NET Nuke is designed to provide a full portal framework where you can plug in different types of applications. You, uh, you had uh, have have you looked at the code for the Community Starter Kit? I had done that um, and I had implemented it, and my impression of it was that it was really over-architected. It it, it seemed very complex. Yeah, I. When it came time to implement uh, skinning in .NET Nuke, yeah. I took a good look at the Community Starter Kit because it does have skinning functionality in it. Yeah. But I found it was far too complex of an implementation for a, a normal designer to be able to uh, to deal with. Well, it's glad to hear somebody else say that. I mean, I, I it's br- whoever did that is, and I don't know who did it, but they're brilliant. I mean, it, yeah, the it was code Stephen is- Walter. He's a brilliant guy. He does a lot of the starter kits. The code was great. I mean, it was great, and it works great, you know, but uh, very difficult to to jump into and try to figure out what's going on. For me, it was anyway. Well, that's that's very cool. So what kinds of features are are in this uh, .NET portal? And by the way, it's free, right? Yeah, it is free. It is a true open source application, Uh, whereas the starter kits from Microsoft are released under uh, Microsoft End User License Agreement. It's free code, and you're allowed to do it whatever you want with it as well. But there's not really a, a management entity behind them managing upgrades and enhancements to those code bases. Mm-hmm. So that, that's slightly different than a true open source project. Uh, the open source project, dot, like .NET Nuke, actually has a standard uh, BSD license, which allows for the maximum flexibility in terms of uh, reuse. So people are allowed to use the code, modify the code, mm. and really they're they don't even they're not even required to contribute anything back to the project if they don't want to. 
whereas um, many of these projects are GPL licensed, which is more of a viral license where if you make modifications, you're required to contribute those changes back to the original project, which isn't really very good for um, business applications. Yeah, true. It it sort of limits it to being used for personal and hobby websites rather uh, because business websites don't want to have to contribute their business intelligence back to the core open source application. Right, right. Um, A minute ago, we were talking uh, architecture very briefly and about themes, getting stuff like that. And something I've been wondering about with a lot of these big community projects like DOSblog, .text, and .NET Nuke, um, do you have any plans to take a lot of the features that you've implemented in in .NET Nuke and replace them with the built-in functionality of ASP.NET 2 so that you can reduce the complexity of the code base? Ooh, good question. There's a good question. That question's coming up more and more lately as WIDB gets close to shipping in a more solid form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess in, you'd have to look at each of those features on an item-by-item basis. Um, if we look at skinning or themes, there's some aspects of the WIDB solution which we can adapt fairly simply. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the master pages solution, which is really a templating solution in WIDB, yeah. uh, .NET Nuke has actually a, a far more flexible templating system implemented right now. And okay. whereas WIDB is really very optimized for developers and not so much for designers, uh, .NET Nuke main purpose in implementing skinning was to make it very simple for web designers to use whatever tools they want, generate skins in standard HTML and, you know, using the standard tools that they expect and offering sort of one further level of abstraction than ASP.NET 2 does. I understand your point, though, in that there's a lot of of, um, architecture. There's a lot of code that we could do away with if we adapted to that model. Yeah. Well, do you, do you think it'd be possible to go in and, and maybe take advantage of master pages and write a system around master pages that would provide the same flexibility? Or do you think there's something inherent to master pages which would prevent you from able to attain that level of flexibility? No, I don't, I don't think there's something that would restrict us from doing that. It's a matter of taking a look at mm-hmm. it more in depth. There's also the whole, mm-hmm. um, Microsoft is calling it skinning, but it's themes per, per control on your page, which you mm-hmm. can apply different styles to. And the terminology right. gets all sort of twisted around, but that's what they call skinning. So that is something yeah. that we can uh, definitely adapt almost immediately when uh, WIDB is available. Okay, cool. Very cool. So, Jim. Yeah, buddy. So when did you come into this uh, .NET nuke land? Uh, I, I became initiated and, uh, and, and totally impressed. Probably earlier this year, the uh, the TakeNote.com site was getting a bit long in the tooth and dated, and it's like, okay, I need to redo this thing, and mm-hmm. I looked at a number of different things, including, I even looked at SharePoint, and I was like, well, maybe I'll take a look at SharePoint and see what this is doing, and I uh, thought was a bit of overkill, and was looking at the iBuy Spy portal and thought, hey, this is pretty cool, and mm-hmm. oh, what's this .NET Nuke thing? Oh, it's an extension. Right, let me take a look at this. And was just hooked. I mean, in... In about a weekend's time, I had converted the entire TakeNote.com um, site over and was just thrilled. I mean, I was using containers and changing the way it looks and gave the uh, the entire site a really slick-looking slick feel with no coding. And that's what I was really looking for was an easy way to build the corporate website using 
pre-built components that I could just drop on the page wherever I needed them and, and put a, a nice looking flare as, as far as the, um, the UI went to it. Um, I had a couple of sections on the, the take note page. I needed to add some training registration online and online order, ordering of the courseware. So I thought, oh, well, can I extend this, this .NET Nuke thing? And started taking a look around and started reading about how you can extend it. I wrote two custom modules in about an hour and a half's time each, mm. dropped them into the, into the site and said, hey, this is cool, and had just customized my own modules and dropped them in right into the framework and was just cool. so taken by it. I was like, this is slick. So, I like this stuff. So your changes became part of the code as the license permits? No, the changes became a custom module. They're independent user controls. Oh, okay. That you just drop in uh, the, the, the .NET lingo, as they're called modules, and you just drop the module in wherever you want. And the way you add a page is you drop modules anywhere you want on a page. And I just dropped my two custom modules where I needed them, and those custom modules fit right into the framework. I adhered to the, the structure and the architecture of the framework, dropped the modules on, and they work great. And awesome. I was like, man, I think I found a winner. Cool. So that's that's the, one of the things I like the most about it is it's got so many built-in, about 20 built-in modules available to use right out of the can. Some of them are good, some of them are a bit weak, but there's a third-party segment that's just come up and said, hey, we wrote, a whole, we wrote a whole bunch of free modules here. Here's free modules. Drop them on, use them in .NET Nuke, and people have just run with it. So you can download either commercial modules that people are selling or free ones that are unbelievably good and put together a very slick, very functional website very quickly. And throwing in the skins with version 2.0, now the site can look unbelievably professional, keeping the look and feel away from how it functions. They're very slick. I was quite impressed from the, from the time I saw it and have been since the version 2.0 came out. I've just been running with it. Cool. Uh, I want to get back to something that Rory was hitting on just a few minutes ago, which is about ASP.NET 2.0. Obviously, the architecture of a well-designed ASP.NET 2.0 application is going to be uh, uh, quite different than what we have today, user controls in particular. So are you guys going to maintain a, a 2003 version or a framework 1.1 version and go off and do a WIDB version? Or are you going to just uh, upgrade everybody to uh, 2.0? The plan right now is to not maintain multiple versions of the application. We really don't have the resources for that. Okay. So what we're going to do is look at each ASP.NET 2 um, improvement and see how they map to the existing application and sort of one by one um, integrate them. Right now, I mean, even, even as we speak, we are already integrating the membership um, roles, profile, oh. APIs. Um, for WIDBY with .NET Nuke in its current form. So when WIDBY arrives, we're already going to be using those APIs, so it'll be a very slick migration. So we, are, we are looking ahead, we, and there's significant uh, improvements in WIDBY. Um, I mean, one of the goals of WIDBY is to reduce the total lines of code. The problems yeah. that I'm experiencing when I do my um, analysis between WIDBY and, and what we've got in ASP.NET 1.1 is that we've actually got more functionalities than some of the default providers in WIDBY. Hmm. And so we need to be able to extend those default providers right. uh, or else cripple the app and take away features that the users have right now. And that's not really an option. Well, extending it should be pretty easy with the inheritance model, don't you think? Um, not 
we're running into some com- some complexities, and we're actually working with um, the ASP.NET 2 team in some areas to work through some of them. Cool. Another one of the things that I like about the um, the entire project, the entire product, is the integration, obviously the tie and communications with Microsoft. This isn't just a, hey, we have this really cool open source portal that we put together, yeah. and boy, we hope Microsoft likes it. So what's the relationship there? Relationship with Microsoft? Yeah. Obviously, if Microsoft is interested in any application which showcases their technology and brings it to a wider audience, um, and Nuke does that. Uh, early on, it must have been probably three or four months after I released the original version, um, I was approached by Microsoft, and they said, you know, we really like what you're doing here. Um, can we help you out in some ways? And so they, they do off, like we host the .netnuke.com site on their server cluster. The ASP.NET team provides that for us. They provide mentoring to us when we have difficulties with different things. I, I had sort of weekly communication with Rob Howard last year when he was still with Microsoft yeah. to uh, uh, communicate what was going on with the project. So that's sort of the extent of the tie. Let me ask you this, and I've been trying to ask you for three or four times, and I always got sidetracked. My apologies. So <laughs> what are... What are some of the, the, the killer features or the feature list, if you could rattle them off, of .NET Nuke? I mean, I kind of know what the portal uh, starter kit does and the community starter kit, but uh, let's just uh, hear about some of the cool things it does. I think the, the killer feature, which got the whole project started, was I made a modification which allows you to run multiple portals from a single code base, single database. So you can have a single shared mm. hosted account Install .NET Nuke, which, you know, so you'd install the, the application and you'd have one database. But then you can map unlimited number of URLs, so domain names, to that account, and they can be separated in the database to display different content. That's cool. So you can, it's a, it's a virtualization model, which allows you to run multiple websites out of a single account. Very nice. So that's what got the product off the ground. Because uh, a lot of people didn't want to have to purchase multiple shared hosting accounts just to have very simple websites. Hmm. Of course, um, it opened up a whole other uh, whole other market for people who wanted to become these middle uh, hosters. They just purchase one account and then they sign up customers and pass on, you know, hosting costs to them. One, so, one of the things I like about that model is the ability to just do a single database backup. Yeah, and sure. by doing one backup, you're backing up 15 different sites at one time. Sure, it's just much easier to manage. Uh, yeah, all the content, everything about it is all, all the content is all stored in SQL Server. So a single backup, and you're to, you're good to go. Um, my favorite feature, other than that multiple database deal, multiple site deal, is the security model built into this thing. It's so nice to be able to set up security groups, assign users to security groups, and set every module and every tab mm-hmm. up with a security group. And yeah. Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. That was easy. <laughs> I can control who can see what at what time. I like this. No coding. It's all just built into the product. Is it easier to authorize and authenticate people once they've signed up than, say, the community portal, which is buried? You kind of have to go looking for them. Yeah, there's a just number of different aside. registration options. Okay. There's a public registration option where people who register are automatically granted access to the site. There's cool. a private option where... They register, and then an administrator gets notified that somebody registered, and they have to approve it or not. Hmm. There's also a private registration option where people register, 
and then a verification code is sent to the email address that they registered with to ensure that they didn't enter a bogus bogus registration okay. address. Cool. And then they, on their first login, they have to use that verification code to authorize their account. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, very, very slick stuff. Well, keep continue with the feature list. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That's it. that's um, all the features. Oh, that's done. it. Okay. There are, <laughs> there are there are no more virtualization security done. Done. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and you can't you can't publish any content. Sorry, that's not a feature. <laughs> Actually, that is, that is another feature. There's probably double the number of um, content modules included with Nanook as there were with the original, hmm. and that's included with the core. And then there's there's a ton of third party. Custom modules so, as well. for, for example, just lay some of those on us. A laundry list. Uh, forums, picture galleries, um, PayPal module, shopping cart module. Um, now, those are, now, those are some of the third-party ones. Yeah. Some of the ones that come built in, I mean, there's an RSS news, news uh, feed built right into it. There's an announcements tab built right into it. There is a, a discussion group built right into it, a contact form built right into it. Hmm. Um, I'm just trying to rattle off some of the, the built-in yeah, documents, events, frequently asked questions, yep. feedback form, survey, iframe. Huh. Cool. So, it. A, a maps module, which works with MapQuest, a weather Carl, module, Carl, which can, works can, with the weather network. Carl, I can tell you this. You, you look at it more and start to play with it, and you're going to start going, oh, I need to switch over to this stuff. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm thinking right now, actually. Because that's exa- it is exactly what I did when I looked at it and said, man... I am home. <laughs> I like this. There's an RSS thing. Is there a, a blog, or is that basically what that is? No, that's the RSS module. Just um, re, is a news feed consumer. Okay. Um, there's also a weblog module as well. Oh, there Actually, is. I think there's a couple of them. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Very very cool. <laughs> I you'll be looking at this stuff, Carl. Very cool. Okay, Rory. And then got... it's obviously got banner ads and vendor management as well, yeah. so that you can. Um, you can try to make some revenue on your site as well. I'd forgotten all about that. That's right, vendor and banner ads built in. And affiliates and, yeah. Jeez. And the number of these modules currently? How many? That's hard to say. I mean, Ballpark? There's... Built in, there's about 20. Yeah, yeah. and then there's, I bet you there's got to be 50 or 60, maybe even really? more than yeah. that on uh, Snow Covered. Wow. Yeah. That was one of the most significant architecture changes that we made, is that with the original iBySpy portal, you could write custom modules, but you basically had to be a developer in order to install them. You had to add them to your uh, project and Mm -hmm. recompile the project and then deploy the project. Mm. And the modification that we've made to .NET Nuke is it allows you to actually install modules at runtime. It installs the UI files and a, and a DLL, which is the, the code behind all compiled into one DLL, and drop that into the bin and adds some database entries to know where to, uh, to find the uh, controls, and it just works. Wow. So it's, uh, it's a really, it allows people that are not technical at all to install new modules into their portal. Hmm. From the, from the developer side. One zip file. Wow. And from the developer side, it allows you to build a private assembly in .NET and in, in Visual Studio, and build the entire assembly, test it, and then say, "Okay, here, upload this to the site," and boom, there it is. It's a module built in now. Very similar to the web parts architecture, yep. but we've actually released it prior to the web parts stuff coming out. 
So it's kind of interesting. Very, good, of very cool. Okay. Well, guys, uh, sit tight. It's about that time. We're halfway through the show. We're going to listen to some music. And actually, uh, after I play a tune here, uh, or maybe a couple of tunes while the live listeners uh, sit around and listen, Jay, my brother Jay is here in the studio, and we're going to play some live music for you. So cool. uh, we're going to play some music and pay the bills and stick around. We'll see you on the other side of the hour.
Oh, cool. Cool. All right. Well, here we go. What are we doing? Let's do a little St. James Infirmary. All right. Two, three, and... down St. James Infirmary I saw my baby there yeah she was stretched out on a long white table so cold so sweet so fair Let her go, let her go God bless her Wherever she may be She can search this wide world over but she'll never find a sweet man like me. I die, won't you bury me in straight lace shoes? Want a box back coat and jumpy Stetson hat? Yeah. Put a $20 gold piece on my watch chain so the boys know. That I died standing pale. I went down to St. James and from Ray. No, I saw my baby there. She was stretched out on a long white table So cold So sweet So
Yeah. All right, one more, and then we'll get back to the show. This is uh, The Last Steam Engine Train, which is song by, oh, who the heck did it first? The guy who died, Leo Kotke's mentor, John Fahey. Fahey. Yeah, John Fahey. And Leo Kotke did an arrangement of it, and we have further screwed with it. This is The Last Steam Engine Train. One, two, one, two, three. And we're back. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking around. That was uh, Jay Franklin on bass and myself playing guitar. And we are the Franklin Brothers, as you probably know by now. Uh, yes, we do acoustic music as well as the other stuff. So we are this hour talking with uh, Sean Walker and Jim Duffy uh, about .NET Nuke. And uh, glad you could join us. Guys. Yes. You're still with us. Thanks again for having us on. Very good, of course. What's with the name .NET Nuke? .NET Nuke. Um, .NET Nuke actually was originally called iBySpy Workshop when it was first released, and that name lasted about three months. And then I felt that it needed its own identity. And funny how I thought it needed its own identity, and I borrowed the identity of another product. But uh, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> no, the uh, the Nuke name has sort of become synonymous with uh, open source content management systems. It originally came out with uh, PHP Nuke, which was written by uh, Francisco Berzi, and that was released in about 2000, I believe. No, and really. It had a number of uh, forks that spun off of it, post Nuke, and a number of others. I noticed today actually there's even a JBoss uh, Nuke's implementation, but um, calling the product .NET Nuke at least for those people that came from the uh, Linux world, the, uh, that name has some identity to it, so they understand that this product is a, is a content management portal system. I immediately thought of Duke Nukem. Yeah, I, re- I remember <laughs> that, that game. game. 
I heard there was another Duke Nukem game coming out. Is there really? <laughs> Duke Nukem lives. I, I I swore off all computer games after playing uh, uh, Duke Nukem. It, I just I got sucked into too much time. It's like, oh my god, I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta play. Yeah. And what'd you say, Rory? Earth Rory. Yeah, sorry, my dog is attacking all my Microsoft documents now. <laughs> and now he's beating the crap out of another bag. He's such a bully, man. <laughs> dog, leave the bag alone. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. What, what did I miss right there? I like the dog's name. Dog, leave the bag alone. <laughs> Castro is his name, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, does yeah. he have a beard and smoke cigars? Jim, no, what? He's, he's in little shit mode right now. <laughs> he's gonna get, it's going to become dog soup. So uh, we sometimes get uh, criticized about the name in terms of it's not too business friendly. You yeah. have, um, you know, organizations, corporations looking at the product as a basis for building intranets or even, you know, products. And, and it has the name .NET Nuke. That doesn't yeah. go over so well at the executive level sometimes. Right. Executives need to lighten up, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. they got along with Google and Yahoo. So. Yeah, right. Yahoo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they were, you know, whatever. I, I suggested .NET Duffy Nuke. <laughs> <laughs> that just didn't go over very well. I think it had a ring to it. Or what, Take Note Nuke? Hell, even better. <laughs> Jim, now we're talking. Jim, when you, you gave me this Geek Man thing at, uh, at DevTeach. Teach. And did you know that uh, Geek Man made it into .NET Rocks the movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Special appearance yeah yeah exactly you know we have a picture of the website and and geek man uh yeah and by the way i keep getting asked by people by email what happened to donnie rocks the movie and well work happened i had two weeks in a row of training and the editing sort of fell by the wayside but we have sponsors we have uh we've got everything and and the thing's pretty much almost ready to go we got to stitch in a little bit more and i have to make a master onto a dual layer dvd and then uh we're gonna Send this puppy to the printer, and and uh, it's going to be coming forth very soon. So stick around with that. Yeah, we actually did mention it in the movie. And uh, what happened was you just walked up to me at at the show and said, "Here, this is for you." And uh, you know, during lunch, we didn't know what to make of it. It's a little because action I didn't want you to appreciate that. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> where, where do you come up with these things? I mean, I should talk. You know, we have Richard the Toy Boy. He would have found something like that, but right. Uh, is, for the show every Sunday morning, I usually research, uh, just try to find that unique and strange computer-related news story. <laughs> I just happen to come across the uh, the Geek Man. What's the show all about? It's a um, call-in show for, my computer won't print. How come I can't get Windows to run? How come this won't work? Oh, man. Type stuff on uh, Sunday mornings from 8 to 10. Ugh. And uh, I try to be more color than uh, than technology. I just say format the drive to every question. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many things that fixes, though. I mean, the bugs, they all go away. The problems are solved. Format the drive. Works for me. How long is your show? Uh, it's two hours. Two hours of that? Eight to ten. Is it on the web? Is it something we can listen to? Um, there may be some versions out there stored, but we typically don't stream or anything over the web. Hmm. It's just uh, it's that old fashioned live radio. Yeah, how many how many listeners do you go out to? Four. Oh wait a minute, no, one died. Three. <laughs> uh, that's that, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, 
Probably not <laughs> nearly as many as this show has. Oh well, come on. How many, do, <laughs> Jeff? How many do we have right now? Twenty. Probably, probably oh, thirty-seven. Oh boy. We're on, a camp- we're on a campaign to get more live listeners. We have tons and tons of download listeners, but you're not a true fan until you've experienced the live show. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I'm being indoctrinated. Yeah, or something. Yes. So what back do you... To, yeah. Back to my passion, .NET Nuke. Right. What, do you, you teach classes on .NET Nuke at Take Note? Yep. I was, um, I, was, I was so jazzed by this thing and had been doing FoxPro and VB.net and ASP.net training and stuff like that. I was so jazzed by .NET Nuke. I thought, man, I so have to start teaching people how to use this thing because this is just huh. too cool. And uh, put together uh, a couple of classes. Uh, one's a two-day creating portals with .NET Nuke. Hmm. requires no programming. It just teaches how to set up the portal and add modules and administer it and set up security rights and all that stuff. Wow. And we have a, another class, which is a two-day coding class. How do I write custom modules within the .NET Nuke framework. Huh. And um, I actually got some of those coming up uh, the end of August, August 30th and then September 1st. What's the typical class size for you? Um, we've run the class a couple of times and have had six to eight people in there. Great. Which uh, makes me happy. Obviously, That's 12 good. to 15 would be even better, but um, I'm just happy that uh, there's enough support out there to, to run the class and uh, just just my way of trying to uh, support the community as best I can to help teach more people how to use this thing. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's a, well, I'm a happy I'm, camper. I'm getting jazzed. I mean, talking to you guys, especially when I heard the list of features and stuff, and, you know, these are all things that we've, some of these we'd like to implement on our site. Yep. Our, our Franklin's Net site started out in ASP, and, you know, the main page, which basically lists the shows that are coming up, is an ASP, and it... Yep. It's not a high-traffic, high-performance required site, so and it works fine. So we just pretty much left that in ASP. But we've done other parts of the of the site in ASP.NET that uh, that needed to be. You know, there was where you sign up for a newsletter, for example. We we take information from people, and I wouldn't do that without validation. You know, so right. That's oh, yeah. that was crying for ASP.NET. So we do that with validation. One and, of the um one of the strengths that I one of the things I enjoy the most about it is A, I can edit content and administer the site from anywhere in the world. I mean, I don't have to be inside Visual Studio or some development tool to change my site. You just log in and start making changes, which yeah. is very cool. Um, and the community base. I mean, they're up on the ASP.NET pages, up on the ASP.NET forums. There are, uh, was, the last time I checked, it was like in the neighborhood of almost 60,000 posts in the .NET Nuke section. Wow. And I think I think Sean can validate this. There's almost like 82,000 registered users of this thing. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, so I mean, it, it, this thing is growing leaps and bounds. And one of the things I was concerned about when I first started to adapt it was, okay, is this a niche little thing that 12 people are using? And I'm not going to get stuck and not be able to ask any questions how to use this thing. And boy, was I surprised and pleasantly surprised up on the ASP.NET forums because there's just a lot of activity. It's probably one of the most active forum sections up on ASP.net because it's just always jumping. Wow. Yeah, I, out of those... I, I, guarantee you, I guarantee you, Carl, you'll get off the show and go, I need to look at this. Well, I definitely am going to. Yep. Of those 82,000, how many of those are actually developing modules for it and modifying it, do you think? That's difficult to determine. Um, we don't really have any tracking mechanism to determine people that download it, whether or not they're using it or not. 
whether it's like because you can download it and use it just as a as a toolbox on how to implement different features in ASP.NET, or you can actually use the application out of the box to build a website, or you could adapt it and build your own app just by use like adapting different parts of it for its um, strengths. One of the biggest one of the biggest challenges I had with the community site, which is you know the community starter kit, which is the only thing I real unfortunately have to compare. Is uh, just it was very difficult to make it look different from what they gave you. Like the look and feel was sort of baked in, and you really had to jump through hoops to make it look different. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest requirements with a website is you want to have your own look and feel. Exactly. So, so what do you guys do in that department? Actually, we just ran a skinning contest not long ago. Microsoft supplied some decent prizes for it. And uh, I believe that there's about 20 free skins that are featured on the site that were entered in the contest. Some of them are pretty radical-looking skins. They don't look anything like the uh, the default look of the site. Like, you don't even have to stick with the the standard portal look with, you know, your header, footer, and three columns. You can deviate from that entirely and, you know, have... 50 panes in your site if you want to, 50 columns. You can do whatever you want. So is this truly like template-driven? Do you do you make the template first and then say .NET nukerize this, or do you have to work within the framework of your pages? Uh, no. Uh, like a web designer could build a template um, look and feel in whatever tool they want, cut it up into HTML, and what they do is where there's active elements on the page, like a, a menu system or say, a login button, mm-hmm. you would put in uh, tokens in those specific areas, and those tokens have specific names. Kind of like placeholders. And then holders. when you upload, your, your skin is comprised of your HTML file, your image files, your style sheet, and you zip them up into one file, and you upload them to the .NET Nuke app, and it parses your HTML file and substitutes the tokens with the actual controls. And so it's almost like a pre-compiled skin. So you get great performance out of it, and it works with the framework from that point on. Through the, Carl, through the use of these skins, the look and feel of your site can be exactly what you want it to be. You don't, the framework is going to work around you. You're not going to be working around it. That's basically Drop those tokens it. into your skin wherever you want, those to, wherever you want that, that content to show up on the page, and that's where it shows up on the page. You want wow. the copyright to show up on the top, the login to be in the lower right-hand corner. You can lay out the, the skin to, however you want. And the .NET new framework is going to adhere to that skin, and that's how your site looks. So, so there, yeah, there is ahead. no traditional. There is a traditional look and feel of a .NET Nuke site, but with a skin, you're nowhere near that look anymore. Rory, are you as excited as I am about this? I'm like, I'm, I'm getting kind of like, you know, damp under my armpits here. It, it actually is one of those things that I've been wanting to take a look at for a while. But part of me lately, whenever I think about projects like this, I can't help it. My brain keeps going back to wanting to look through the code and see how certain things could be re- re-implemented using features in ASP.NET 2. I've got like a one-track mind lately with that right. stuff. Yeah. I mean, and it's good to be looking ahead for sure because that's going to be coming upon us before we know it, right? Maybe, Rory, you have uh, you just defined you what you're going to be doing for the next three months in your spare time. Well, <laughs> it, it seems like it'd actually it'd be cool, I think, if somebody sponsored for an app like this, like say if Microsoft sponsored for an app like this to be written using ASP.NET 2, um, just to demonstrate like how much simpler the uh, architecture can be and how many lines get cut out and so on and so it forth. It would be very, very cool to see a comparison with uh, with a 2.0 yeah. version. Very cool. Yeah. 
I just can't stop thinking about that. Every time I think about, you know, skinning or um, templating of any kind and stuff like that, or of course, like with any large application, uh, you wind up with a whole bunch of custom collections. So when I'm thinking about generics, I cannot help but think about, you know, how ASP.NET 2 could be of use to these projects. And and this whole time that we've been having this conversation, sometimes I even drift off and I think, I wonder if it'd be better for them to rewrite from the ground up using ASP.NET 2 and just try to design around their existing um, ideas or to actually port. Um, there's a, there's just all these questions that keep popping up in my head. So I am excited, but at the same time, uh, it's really just sparking a lot of questions in my head. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, and those are, good enough. Those are good questions to, <laughs> to ask. Um, once you get into the deeper details of some of those, like if you even just focus on specific um, Widby features, um, th- which is what I've been doing lately, I, I found that uh, if you're going to build a really simple website, um, ASP.NET 2 will deliver that with very few lines of code. But as soon as you mm-hmm. deviate from just very simple use cases and want to um, extend the model somewhat, it becomes far more difficult. Actually, probably mm. more difficult than it is in ASP.NET 1.1. Is it because wow. there's so okay. many new high-level things that uh, uh, in, in ASP.NET 2.0? Obviously, you know, like you said, you know, you can just drag a table onto a web page and you set a few properties and you've got an editable grid. So if right. you want to get down in and you know change anything, I I've heard that though that in ASP.NET 2.0 they've actually uh, opened up a lot of hooks in the database layer, right in the binding layer, so that your data can come from anywhere. Yeah, that's the whole provider model. Right. But the provider model is based on a a base API. So as long as the base API is extensible, then you're able to add your own functionality to it. But mm-hmm. uh, if you have to go outside of that base API, that's where it becomes more complicated. Yeah. What do you guys plan on doing for uh, features do you plan on adding for the next for the ASP.NET 2.0 version? Um, in the current version, we are implementing a number of uh, interesting features. We're implementing localization, uh, which is static localization. So the ability to display the labels, the administration labels inside the app in different languages. Mm-hmm. So that'll facilitate usage of the app in other countries. Again, that's not content uh, localization, where yeah. you would actually display the content in multiple languages. This right. is really for the administrator. And we're following the uh, Widby uh, model for localization as close as we can so that when Widby arrives, It'll be a fairly simple upgrade procedure. We've actually been working with the um, localization team that uh, that created the uh, localization solution for ASP.NET 2. And in the next release, we're also going to have a uh, a mechanism for implementing portal-wide um, search. Cool. Using because as an open source project, we can't rely on the fact that we're going to have external products available like index server right. in a shared host environment you usually don't have those things available but you still need to have a search mechanism in your portal so we're desi- we have an architecture designed to enable modules to publish their content in a summarized format into a, a central index which can then be searched yeah 
That sounds good. Sounds very good. And then we're implementing membership, roles, and profile from Whidbey, so using the exact same APIs. Cool. So we're actually going to be showcasing a lot of Whidbey functionality this fall, which is well before Whidbey comes out. There's also got some Whidbey functionality in it now with the, um, the data provider layer, where I, I know I mentioned earlier that you, know, you store everything in SQL Server, but with the, um, the data provider layer, you don't have to use SQL Server. Just depending on what data provider you use, it ships with Access and SQL Server, SQL Server providers out of the box. But um, I know there's a MySQL provider out there that you could actually build a .NET Nuke site with MySQL. Cost to build that is going to be zero with, a, with the open source .NET Nuke, MySQL, you're done. And or, there's an Oracle provider as well. You yep. guys don't actually advocate people using Access as a back end for this thing, do you? No. It's really there for um, educational. Like it's it's right. used quite a bit in academic circles where people are teaching courses and they might not have SQL Server licenses for all of their students. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good mechanism for them to be able to teach them using Access. Definitely not used for a scalable website though in production. Oh, then I better get off of Access right away with my site. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. Now, now you tell me. Jeez, I wish someone had told me that earlier. No wonder it's been so slow. Hey, speaking of slow, let me talk to you about North Carolina for a minute. Hey, um, bump. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the .NET community like down there? Because to tell you the truth, I haven't heard of of anything happening down in in your neck of the woods, and maybe I just am not plugged into that uh, community. But but what's the local community like? We have a um, a .NET user group here, which is uh, called the Triangle .NET User Group. It's uh, www.trinug.org. Trinug. Um, <laughs> Trinug, T-R-I-N-U-G, trinug.org. That sounds obscene. That sounds cool. Typically have uh, anywhere from 30 to 40, 45 members show up uh, at the meetings every I think every second Wednesday of the month or whatever. So there's a, there's an active .NET Nuke, uh, .NET Nuke, a .NET um, community going on here. And it's funny, I gave a presentation at that user group about three or four months ago on .NET Nuke. And there is now a .NET Nuke SIG. The entire site has now been switched over to .NET Nuke. <laughs> I mean, they just wow. went, went wild with it. That's great. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, actually, .NET's, .NET's jumping down here. Across, across the whole states, actually, that's been happening a lot. A lot of user groups, .NET user groups, have been asking for presenters for yep. .NET Nuke. I know Patrick Santry is one of our core team members. He's been doing a ton of presentations to user groups in the East Coast, Central area the states and, and the, uh, it's the very big I, in australia hmm. sessions i did at some of the um the conferences dev essentials and dev teach very well received i mean you start to show you start to show this stuff to people i mean carl we're talking to you about it and you're getting excited if you saw it it'd be like dude this is so slick i mean it's just a yeah. different it's a different different perspective actually seeing it but it's um it's been very well received i've written a couple articles for code magazine and and I'm getting emails all the time. Oh, I love your article on .NET Nuke and Code, man. It's really great. You showed me a lot. And people are just running with this stuff. What I'm really thinking here is, as, uh, you know, is that this m- might be a really good way to teach ASP.NET. Oh, yeah. Never mind .NET Nuke, but just, you know, here's an implementation of a content management system that we can wrap our mind around and see what they did and how they architected it and all that. What are some of the... Um, do, you, do you have names of very famous or well-known or or maybe even just highly visited websites that use it? 
Sean, you may agree or may not agree, but I'd probably have to say one of them that's just kind of came out recently is um, Allied Van Lines. That's AlliedVan.com. You're kidding. No. Go out, go out to AlliedVan.com, and that's a .NET Nuke 2.0 site with a really slick-looking skin on it. And it's like it's being accepted and used corporate in the, throughout the corporate world. Wow. Hmm. It looks great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there was another one. Um, well, Patrick Santry was involved with uh, Lord, Lord.com. Another very large corporate. Oh, right, yeah. They used it. Um, yeah, we have .NET Nuke sightings all the time where it seems to pop up. Is there I a way to tell? In general, it's still being used in intranet scenarios more than extranet scenarios. Really? Yeah, and in those cases, we don't even see it. But Is there a way to tell that it's a .NET Nuke site? Like if I view the source, does it say... You know, in the metadata? It depends if they've removed... Like, there is an option that you can remove the copyright messages throughout the application. And that's huh. really in there for security purposes so that people can't target .NET Nuke sites if they're hackers. Wow. So, really, there's no, not a, any good way of telling in version 2. You usually can, though, just by looking at the URL, Carl. Desktop you default. At, you see desktop default, yeah. and then the tab ID, and then some odd number. Um, the... The trained eye can usually pick up on a .NET, .NET Nuke site pretty quick. I think one of the other reasons why .NET Nukes become so popular is that in the early, well, in .NET, .NET Framework 1.0, there was a lot of emphasis put on C Sharp, the language, getting it uh, off the ground, getting people excited with it, trying to attract Java developers over to the .NET Framework. And the VB developers kind of felt like they were being left out. Yeah. And... Uh, the .NET Nuke application is VB.NET as a awesome. core. And it gave them an opportunity to be excited about something and have sort of a community on their own. Um, although, I mean, with the uh, extensibility model, you can write your modules in C Sharp, and they work just fine with the framework. But, uh, but as a core, it's written in VB.NET. That's great. Hey, long live VB.NET, you know? If it's that good enough it. for NASA and Allied Van Lines, it's good enough for you, so shut up. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. I got some questions here from the chat room. Bitmask asks, how scalable? Any implementations out there with 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, 1 million content items? <laughs> well, okay. With the multi-portal capability, I've heard of people running up to 1,000 portals on one IS account. So that's a thousand, basically 1,000 websites running out of one website. Wow. Um, that could be, maybe those are pretty small sites, though. They could maybe only have one page each. But I also know of uh, a magazine in Australia that's using .NET Nuke, and they have, you know, 5,000 pages, the 5,000 tabs of information in a single site. So that's a lot of content. I mean, the, um, the .NET Nuke.com site is obviously dog-fooding its own application. Dog-fooding its own application. Well, we're running I, our own app. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting use of the metaphor. <laughs> I thought you were just thinking, mm, dog. <laughs> dog food. Um, and get, uh, I never heard dog food Nuke. used as a verb, Sean, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting that grammar 101. Except where Rory and his dog biscuits are concerned. But, I think uh, that's a, a new Microsoft term that's been put in the dictionary, dog fooding. Um, average, that's a like, great get, verb. Uh, 800,000 page views a month. On the .netnuke.com site. Wow. So uh, 27,000 page views a day. And Yeah, and if you think about it, Bitmask, I mean, it's 
the scalability has more to do with ASP.NET than it does .NET Nuke. I'm sure, you know, unless you guys are doing something really dumb, but you well, wouldn't do that. Well, using best practices for sure. Yeah. It's using, you know, SQL servers using stored procedures. It's it's uh, got a defined data access layer, defined business logic layer. Right. So, if you look at the code base, you'll definitely see it doesn't resemble the original um, starter kit application which it was based upon. Yeah. Because really, that didn't exemplify best practices. Mm-hmm. It was. It was what it was. It was a, a good app, an example of a functional application, but we um, basically rewrote it. Are you being good boys and disposing your objects when you're done with them? <laughs> good boys. Um, in most cases, yeah. I'm not going to say 100% of the time because uh, there are a lot of um, hands in the code as well. Yeah, that's one of the things about open source is it does it does seem to uh, evolve quickly, but um, you do have maybe a little less control over what's being put into it. Can, are you guys able to legally modify somebody's code to fix it, like if there's bugs? Obviously, you should be able to, right? Or anybody yeah, can. Yeah, no, we're, with the whole uh, Linux Go thing that's going on, uh-huh. being a lot more careful now with um, code submissions that come from external parties, mm-hmm. people have to sign their intellectual property um, rights so that we can share it in the project. Like they can retain their original rights, but then the project also shares in those intellectual property rights. Mm-hmm. So then we can make modifications to it and fix it and not be liable down the road. And that's very important to people who are using .NET Nuke. They don't want to be stuck in a legal situation either. Another okay. one of those features of the product that's not even part of the product is the attention to the licensing that's going on and, and knowing what Sean's doing behind the scenes with that idea of intellectual property and we don't want to get sued later and whose is this and making companies feel comfortable about implementing this technology knowing that, yeah, we're all right. We're not going to run into intellectual property lawsuits later by using this thing. The licensing has all been set up so that's very open and very, very modifiable. Here's a question from the chat room. Uh, can .NET Nuke index a file system for searching like SharePoint can? No, it can't at this point. Okay. It's one of the features that's included in our roadmap for the next release is... Uh, not just um, content from the database to be searchable, but files on the file system. Mm-hmm. Although we're, it's probably going to be limited to specific file types. Another question from the chat room. Uh, is there going to be any major changes to .NET Nuke when ASP2 Net, uh, ASP 2.0 and Yukon? Well, we sort of talked about the ASP.NET uh, 2.0, but what about Yukon? Are you guys going to embrace that? Obviously, you're going to, done- but... Yeah, we haven't actually done much research into Yukon. I mean, I guess one of the problem, problems or blessings in .NET Nuke is that we use the provider model, which yeah. means that the application can run on multiple databases. So we really can't take advantage of any one particular database's pr- proprietary right. techniques. True. We sort of have to write to the lowest common denominator, which is you know very simple queries. Theoretically, I guess you could write a Yukon provider and try to take advantage of some Yukon features, but you may still be somewhat limited by how the application uses the data that's passed. This is a good question, uh, and I've thought of this myself, too. Are images and the content items stored on the web server file system or in the database, and how easy is it to upload images? When you're logged in as the administrator of of the application, there's a, a file manager module, and you can upload files via that module. Because the 
the architecture supports multiple websites. Each each portal has its own upload directory, which is in the the uh, application folder structure. So, in the case of images and documents, they're being actually stored on the file system and not in the database. Good. I'm not a uh, I'm not a uh, proponent of putting files in the database. It slows down all queries when you use blobs and just makes it very difficult to access them. There's some benefits still, too, for running in web farm scenarios. Oh, that's true, yeah. And also for um, for backup, things like that. Yeah. Mostly in situations where you have to synchronize content. It does slow down the database, though, having Definitely. all those blobs in there. And it makes your database unmanageably large. Right. Very cool. Rory, are you still with us? I am still here. I've had some dog issues uh, yeah, before we arrived <laughs> recently, and it's been taken care of. He uh, he was humping my leg like crazy, just <laughs> ankle ankle raping me, and uh, Corey came in from her dinner, and she's oh, got him tied God. down in the corner. She's duct taped him to I the wall. Good thing it's not a big dog. <laughs> ankle raping. Uh, it's, 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 yeah. Well, you know, he comes over, he, he sniffs your ankle, and he goes, Ah, ma chérie, you are so beautiful. I find you so enchanting. I want to make love to you. And then he does. He doesn't really ask. So, um, but he, he's gone now, and I've been enjoying what's going on. What's that? What'd you say? Did he buy you dinner before or after? <laughs> he's he's actually, he's, he's, not, he's, not that, he's not very charming. You know, he's oh. one of those love him and leave him types. It's all business. So, yeah. <laughs> it's all business. Yeah. Yeah. Then he just goes off and finds another ankle after he's had years, so it's not even loyal. Are you, oh, are you at least wearing a sock so you're protected? Because <laughs> um, I want to make sure you're wearing protection. Does he make I, I didn't actually have socks. My ankle could get pregnant. That, Rory? Um, don't you think this is getting a little graphic, guys? Uh, I'm not feeling Not there. that I'm embarrassed. Well, you know, we didn't have Google weirdos, so we need to have balance oh, this yeah, out with some sick stuff here. Well, sometimes he does kind of go, rawr, 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 <laughs> but you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like moan or anything. So. <laughs> oh, geez. You are like a style to me. You're beautiful, my love. Yeah. So. <laughs> Richard says, don't worry. My bad toy will make up for no Google. Weirdos. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, before we uh, introduce Richard, the toy boy who uh, you guys know, I'm sure, um, uh, any last minute words of wisdom or uh, pieces of advice or shout outs or anything you want to say to the audience about .NET Nuke or anything else before we, before we shift gears here? I don't know. I, I encourage anybody, if they're interested in migrating their um, applications or even their skill set from, from classic ASP, which I know a lot of people are still using, to .NET definitely take a look at uh, .NET Nuke. It's becoming more feature-rich as time goes on, and with our affiliation with Microsoft, I'm pretty sure we're in a good place uh, as we move forward. Well, I'm convinced, and the price is right. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just add that um, from from my experience and fr- from coming from an ASP VBScript background beforehand and wanting to get into a, a, an ASP.NET website up and running very quickly, I had almost no coding to do in order to get a .NET Nuke site up, and that's exactly what I was looking for. And with the rich administrative tools that are available for it, including like a site log and traffic logs, and I mean all kinds of that stuff you'd expect to be in a, in a in, or, or you'd want to be in your portal, they're all in there. And there's a number of administrative tools that are built in that we didn't even get a chance to go over, um, including a very rich third-party community, which 
three modules, and there's a site called snowcovered.com, which has got commercial modules available for sale. The, the, the swell of community is doing nothing but growing with this product, and this is not a, well, you know, it's a flash in the pants and be gone in six months. I'm thinking not so much at all. So it's, it's one of those tools that I think is one of those groundbreaking tools that, wow, everyone should know about this. Um, heck, I even started throwing, uh, I was, I was a self-proclaimed .NET Nuke evangelist because I threw that into my email signature <laughs> and started <laughs> spreading the word of .NET Nuke around. And I've been doing everything I can in my power to let people know what a really, really slick tool this is. Well, guys, stick around. It's time for uh, Richard the Toy Boy. We'd like you to participate in this as well. And uh, cool. it's, uh, what can I say? It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so without any further ado, Richard the Toy Boy. Hey, Richard Campbell. How are you, my friend? Dude, I am good, and I'm so glad to see my friends on the show. And I found a very web-centric set of tools for today. Awesome. Interesting toys. You know, I go for a good toy and a not-so-good toy. That's right. Every week on the show, Richard the Toy Boy uh, previews and showcases a toy that we will uh, show everybody, talk to them about, and actually give one away. And then a not-so-good toy that uh, we would rather not give away for legal reasons, yeah. usually. That's right. And it's usually toys that, A, you don't want, and B, the government doesn't want you to have. And we, start, we started off this bit with a doozy, didn't we? Smart clamp. Yeah. Good Lord. Well, I think I'm going to hit a new high. No. <laughs> I'm telling you. You just hang on to your socks there, kiddo. I'm ready for you. What you got? Let's do the good toy. The, the good, good toy, toy first, because... And you've seen this toy before personally, Carl. In fact, we've talked about it before because I think it is one of the best web toys out there. And okay. I'm talking about www.keyhole.com. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You got to go take a look at keyhole.com. You'll be amazed. Now, this is a web-based 3D view of the world. You can type in any address you want to enter, and it will show you it in the world, right? An overhead view. So I've, you know, seen pictures of my own house. It's very spooky. Heck, I've seen pictures of Carl's house. In more or less detail. You Some things are, are, the maps aren't so good, and some things, they're very high resolution, but most of the uh, urban centers are high res. Isn't it funny how good the pictures of Iraq are? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially if you get the NVIDIA graphics version. Now, but basically, you subscribe to this, right, Richard? Yes, you do. And and I think we should give away a subscription as well. But you can get, there's a free try before you buy one week period. You can download the client. You can take it out for a spin. You can mm -hmm. look around, try the different things. And then if you like it, you can subscribe and it's $70 a year. There's also mm -hmm. professional versions. And this is really interesting for somebody who's got a lot of branch offices or anything like that. Real estate. To be able to show where things are, to be able to set the stage for, say, a real estate development, cut out a block and put the new building on the block with all of the surrounding terrain already there. I'll give you an example. My, uh, my mother's boyfriend, and because my father died, not because my father left her or whatever, but uh, not because she's cheating on him. Uh, my mother's boyfriend has a, a house in the woods in Stonington, Connecticut, and he's got a pond. And he was looking for an aerial view of the pond for uh, for some reason, I think 
he wanted to do some development or do some damming or something. I don't know why he needed it, but he's having a hard time finding any photographs of it. And so he was over at my mother's house, and I showed him this, and he says, oh, go check out my pond, check out my pond. Zoomed right in, snapped it, printed it, and he took it home, and man, that was a happy man. It's, it's, it's amazing what you can get out of this thing, and it just goes to show you how commoditized this kind of technology has become. And uh, it's really interesting is looking at the enterprise level, they have uh, technology to be able to integrate with like continuous streaming and data from, say, taxi cabs. So you can look at the location of all your cabs in real time in a three-dimensional map. And they, it looks like they have a new version, Keyhole 2 Pro, uh, which is different from the one that I have. This coexists with Keyhole client versions 1.7. And uh, I'm not so sure what the difference is, but I'm, I'm sure you the, can find it. The main thing, the main thing is your ability to put your own data down on the map. So oh, you, you really? can now plug multiple locations in and, you know, put your logos in and have them show up on the map in 3D. Oh, that's nice. That's very yeah, cool. For a business, it makes a lot of sense to be able to do that. So we'll give away a, uh, a one-year subscription to that. And uh, You bet. Before we do that, however, what's your uh, questionable toy of the week, Richard? <sighs> Well, you know, I was out to ask <laughs> because it's, you know, we're talking about a web-based world, right? right? And I'm talking about a web-based toy. So I went out looking for, you know, a bad toy that you find on the web, <laughs> yeah. a bad toy. <laughs> and this is bad. That's all I can say. It's bad. It's, but it's one of those things you just have to look at. So okay. I've used Shrinkster. So it's shrinkster.com slash AQ, Alpha Quebec. Now you need to have Flash for this to work. It's oh on the God. adorable bunnies site. So oh what this God. is is what they call ping extreme. And the goal <laughs> is to whack the penguin as far as you can get him with your big mallet. Unfortunately, the impact is so great that it pretty well just breaks off his head and his head goes flying. So you just <laughs> give it a try. You press the you press the mouse click, the penguin jumps, press again, you gotta whack the penguin, see if you can get some distance. <laughs> Ew. Now the thing that <laughs> the thing that is disturbing about this is just how much life it will suck out of you. The next thing I knew, I blew an hour on this stupid thing. And hey, I oh, managed to get over a thousand oh, yards. I splatted him. That's disgusting. You got you got to be careful. <laughs> what are those red things on the left there? Those are the things you're supposed to go over, right? It makes it a little more like challenging. Mines. Ah, what are these buttons? Oh, oh the those button things, the... spikes. Oh, those are landmines. Oh, wow. Wow, I got a home run here. He's sailing, he's sailing, he bounced, he's sailing still. Oh my god. Did he hit a landmine? No. Oh yeah, he just hit one, yeah. Just hit another I mean, one. I find it fascinating that it's a penguin too. Yeah, I don't know if there's any symbolism one. here. He sure has a lot of blood for a penguin. I think a penguin's he's just head. completely Oh, that's his head, I see. He just keeps hitting landmines and bouncing. <laughs> Are you supposed to hit landmines? Does that propel? Oh, absolutely. Oh, all right. Gives you a little more distance. I think I just got, let me tell you how many yards I got. 832.4. Is that good? Nice one. Is that good? (laughs) I don't know. What's your high score, Richard? Uh, About (laughs) 1,000. That's my third hit, though, I mean. Yeah. You got to try it a few times, you know. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) Blow a day on it, you know. Get good. Oh, that is bad, man. Is this, is this smart clamp worthy? <laughs> yeah. Pretty, now, you see, notice, 
<laughs> it's a penguin, too. So yeah. who's the guy down below, right? Who is that guy? The abominable snowman, maybe. <laughs> Actually, he's bald. It may be Steve Bomber. So what is this site called? Whack the Penguin? Uh, yeah. Does this it is have called a name? Ping Extreme. Oh, Ping They're Extreme. The original... The original Flash site had you whack into Penguin with no blood and no landmines. And uh, I guess a, a creative child got a hold of this and, you know, made it a little more interesting. Oh, my goodness. That, uh, yeah, that kind of makes up for the Google weirdos, don't you think, Rory? Rory, are you doing it now? Yeah, but I'm not very good at this, actually. <laughs> I'm getting kind of frustrated. If you played a lot of asteroids. You guys are all talking about your high scores, and I'm getting, like... 500, you know, whatever, 600, and I kind of feel left out. People in the chat room are getting a lot more than I am. This, I clearly... This, I hate... This game's this game's stupid because yeah. I'm not very good at it. I clearly had a lucky shot. Yeah, that's how exactly was, what how, it was. How far was yours, Carl? What's that? How far was yours? 832. Oh, I had a 745. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying. All right. <laughs> So, Richard, what uh, what does somebody have to do to win a year subscription to Keyhole.com? Well, I always uh-huh. like people to go to the Keyhole your high site. score and the Penguin it. thing? <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone turned their sound off on the Penguin thing. I always like you to go back to the good site, the Keyhole site, and take a look around, try and find something interesting, uh, specific on the site here. Okay. So, I want you to go to the Keyhole site, and I want you to find... A particular piece of information for me on the site. Yes. And, and the question is that's a good question. What is the question? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <here. laughs> okay. You know, my question was going to be that there was a special version for NVIDIA cards, but some Nimno barked it all over the air. So it doesn't matter much now. I have to come up with a new question. <laughs> oh, okay. okay here's a new question the new question is that on the special version of the consumer edition there is an additional planet available for viewing Mm. tell me what that additional planet is first person to fire an email to carl wins themselves a year subscription to keyhole and where should they send that email they should send that email to dot net rocks at franklin's dot net dot net rocks at franklin's dot net don't paste it in the chat room uh you'll be disqualified so it's got to come by email. The first person to send it by email to .net rocks at franklins.net is going to be the winner. And uh, we're just going to put up a little tune here while we're waiting for that uh, email to come through. And man, was that quick. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Sherwin from Columbus, Ohio says it's Mars. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. All right. Brian, congratulations. Richard, that was kind of a lame question. I mean, what other planet would it be? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be <laughs> you know, that's really the only one Pluto. we can do. <laughs> wouldn't it be Mercury? <laughs> well, we have pretty good maps of Venus. Well, such is, such is the contest here at .NET Rocks. You never know what to expect. So anyway. Uh, guys, what can I say? It's been a great show, and I am completely energized about .NET Nuke. I'm going to go check it out. Cool. Great. So, Our job is done. Yes. Thank you very much. And on behalf of myself, Rory Blythe, Richard 
Campbell. Who's still trying to beat his high score at this stupid penguin game. Jeff Maciolik in the sound room. This is Carl Franklin saying goodnight from .NET Rocks. And, uh, you know, don't take any wooden nickels, would ya? Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week on .NET Rocks. Good night. Good night.